Hello and welcome to another episode of Behind the Blazer. I'm your host, Scott Sempier. In this season one finale, we make Behind the Blazer history by interviewing three members of the Corral. Current members, Stephen Leonard. My hat sort of changed from parent to helper to board member to singer. And Scott Crothamel. I got a, had a voicemail from Jeff Smith and I called him back on my way home from work and I practically ran off the road. And former member Charles Albert. I, I think actually my son was probably the first boy to come in like that with his father being a singer in, in the choir when he was a boy. Even though these interviews took place at different times, we have brought their answers together to illustrate a fuller picture of the perspectives they have as members of the chorale. These men describe their experiences as part of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale, what is required of them, and what motivated them to stay in the chorale. Enjoy. Behind the Blazer is the official podcast for the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. For over 50 years, the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale has been entertaining audiences near and far as America's ambassadors of song. The Emmy-winning and Grammy-nominated program has toured regions and countries of all inhabited continents, performing for many dignitaries and in many of the world's premier concert venues. This podcast, Behind the Blazer, reveals the stories from the choir through interview format. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Thanks so much. I, I really appreciate you asking me here. I'm always happy to contribute to anything that has to do anything with the choir. More than happy to uh, talk with you, Scott. This is a great, a great idea, and I hope it spreads some, uh, some good news about the boys' choir and crowd. Can you tell me about what your role in the chorale was? The Philadelphia Boys Choir is a bit unique uh, in the fact that they do have a chorale section, which allows them, the biggest advantage of having that is it allows them to sing four-part SATB music, uh, soprano, alto, tenor, and bass. Many or most of the boys choirs around the world are just soprano and alto, so it's just the, uh, the two typically uh, female parts. But with adding the tenor and the bass, it certainly broadens the, the repertoire, the available repertoire that we can do. So that's sort of, you know, the plus to it or, or the reason that we have it. The crowd's made up of roughly 30 to 40 men or young men. Sometimes some of the boys, when their voice changes, goes go directly into the crowd and they you know, can stay in there for as long as they want, because by this point their voice has changed and uh, they're, they're good to go. Many of the Crown members are either parents of boys that are in the choir or parents of boys that used to be in the choir or were in the choir themselves uh, as boys. In my case, uh, our son, Brian, uh, joined the choir in 1983 uh, when he was eight years old, stayed in for seven years, as many of the boys do, and he, he left when he was 15 and ready to go into high school, and his voice changed. He had a wonderful time in the choir, and that's how I got involved with the choir, really, through through our son auditioning. He heard about it from a friend of his at school who was already in the choir. Zachary was watching, and he said, Dad, they have adults in this choir. Said, Would you ever want to do that? And I said, 
this is for you. It's, I'll make you a deal. If you make it into the performing choir, I will audition. I had a voicemail from Jeff Smith and I called him back on my way home from work and I practically ran off the road when he said, <laughs> we'd like to invite Zachary into the performing choir. And I, so that's, it just, it just took off from there. So that, that was, that was our initial whirlwind into the choir, not really knowing what we were getting ourselves into, but happy. Uh, we got home, we wanted to make sure we were all there and said, Zachary, you have been accepted into the performing choir. And he was, you know, for a, for a nine-year-old, he, he had a great reaction. He was very shocked. It wasn't just a, oh, okay, thanks, what's for dinner? <laughs> he's, he's always been a kid who gets it. So uh, that was no different. And the next thing out of his mouth was, Dad, you said if I got into the performing choir, you would audition. You promised. So two days later, I was standing in front of the piano in the downstairs performing hall, the, 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 the rehearsal hall downstairs, and uh, standing in front of Jeff and John. A lot of the parents of their sons in the choir, they get involved with helping out. And in my case, being a, a former music teacher, you know, I had some musical experience. And so I eventually just, more than just being a parent, I started to sing in the uh, men's crowd. But that was actually quite a bit later. I was one of the original members of the choir as a boy. So I served as a member, singer. And then years, almost 30 years after that, back when I grew up and had a son of my own, my son was asked to audition for the choir and he became a Philadelphia Boys Choir member and then I came back and joined the men's chorale so for a few years my son and I were singing together in the choir which was really really exciting. Yeah that's awesome I had no idea you were an original member. Philadelphia Boys Choir has been part of two generations in your family then. Right and I think actually my son was probably the first boy to come in like that with his father being a singer in, in the choir when he was a boy. It's a good legacy to have. What have you done in the meantime? Brian joined in 83, and I started singing in the Men's Crown uh, year 2000. So, you know, I had been involved with the choir all throughout that time. First as a parent, then uh, I did some volunteer work. I helped with some of the fundraising. In 1989, I think it was, I joined the board of directors, and in 2000, I became chair of the board of directors, and then resigned from the board of directors in 2004. So then, uh, by that time, I was singing in the crowds. So my hat sort of changed from parent to helper to board member to singer. I went to uh, Frankfurt High School, and they had a wonderful music program and uh, music uh, director and choir. We had a really wonderful choir and we toured internationally with the Frankfurt High School Choir and I actually got to sing uh, for the Pope over in Italy. At graduation, I won the music award, which I really would never have done anything like all those things without being a member of the Philadelphia Boys Choir. What is it about the Philadelphia Boys Choir that encouraged you to do all these things? I just think it brought out my love of music and singing. So I constantly, after that, I constantly sought out the opportunity, you know, to to sing and join choirs and travel and go on tours. It, it 
was, you know, all very exciting, you know, it's a very great hobby to have. Did you find that when you auditioned to be a, a member of the corral, was it more difficult, less difficult? How, how did that compare to auditioning to be a member of the choir? Oh, it was much less difficult because when I came back, uh, Dr. Hamilton was still the um, director and he recognized my name and then recognized me and put put two and two together and said, okay, well, you're coming back now, <laughs> which is really nice. Obviously, you need to be adept at learning the music, you know, singing the right notes, singing the right words, you know, blending with the people around you. So, you know, it's like any other musical organization. You have to have the skill to to fit in and to blend. Uh, well, I auditioned is it was uh, Dr. Hamilton's last, you know, well, he had four, five more years, I guess, since when I auditioned with him. So he was, you know, a bit different uh, than Jeff. Plus the fact that I had been a music teacher, I think he was sort of aware that I had some music ability. So, you know, I just really sang a couple of numbers for him just so he knew I, I had a singing voice. Singing for him as a grown-up was a lot easier. <laughs> so I mean, the audition really was was very easy, but I, that's not to say that's what it would be today with uh, with somebody that didn't know Jeff or, or, you know, somebody that didn't have the, the music background. Yeah, standing in front of Jeff and John auditioning, which is something I had not done. So I do have a musical background. Okay. Uh, I've been playing trumpet for... More than 30 years. I uh, started when I was 11 years old, which would make a whole lot more than 30. It's actually closer to 40. I, I've been singing with and playing with a group for a very long time, so I, I'm very comfortable with that. I walk in, and I was a little bit nervous because I hadn't sung this kind of music in a long time, but I thought, this is great. I have a very good ear for music, and I proceeded to mention that in my audition and not knowing who I was speaking to. <laughs> so I sang choral music, which I had not done for a very, very long time. I've been singing pop music, with using all the wrong techniques and making all the mistakes for years. So I sang in front of them and they said, great. Uh, Jeff said, you, we'll put you in 10 or two. So more of the whirlwind. Wow, this is happening, okay, I, I'm, I'm now in. I was a little bit nervous because after making that promise, I had no idea how stringent, how difficult it was going to be. You know, I tried my best and I, I, I can hold the tune. So that was my introduction to the choir. What kind of commitment is it to be a member of the corral? Yeah, it, it's a big time commitment. Um, with Saturday morning rehearsals usually taking up pretty much the whole Saturday morning, and then uh, a weekly night rehearsal. You know, us corral members have to get together on off hours, so we rehearse one night a week, and then on Saturday morning with the, the boys, so we can all come together and you know, have the sound and all the parts all together, which is really nice. The busiest uh, times always was the holiday Christmas season. Lots of engagements during that season. And then we put out our own concert in the spring, usually. Spring was, was you know, slightly busy. Mm -hmm. But uh, it seemed like the holiday season was very busy. And, of course, that's... That's very uh, hard to do when you have a, you know, your own family and your own holiday things that you have to do for your family and your work. And then 
it was sometimes hard to uh, make everything, but I usually did. It was, you know, a lot of fun because you learn all that music, you want to perform it. (laughs) (laughs) And you have to, you have to be there. Uh, The rehearsals, you can kind of block out because you know exactly when they are, but as these performances get on the schedule, then you have to make sure you're flexible enough to to be there. Now, you, you don't get a hundred out of a hundred, but I know Jeff needs you and needs everybody to be there, you know, majority of the time. When it comes to the tour, it's hard for all the crowd guys, you know, to go. So that's actually when I joined, when I knew, you know, I was going to go on tour. So I thought it would be a, a great, a great experience, you know, two weeks overseas, something to talk about. And <laughs> I liked it so much that, you know, here we are uh, 20 years later, still singing. <laughs> now, every other than our nurse, everybody that goes uh, on tour with us is a singer. The men really are to be role models, you know, for the boys. Uh, again, quite often the men in the crowd were in the choir as a boy at one time, so they have the experience to share. There's a mystery, too, because things pop up. You may have, oh, by the way... Next month, we're singing at Carnegie Hall. Who gets, who gets to say that? I, it's everything, just sitting in a rehearsal and hearing an announcement, it's everything in my power not to stand up and just, yes, 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 oh, it didn't just yell at the top of my lungs because I'm so happy about something. And it happens all the time. But I mean, that's definitely an extreme example. But when you have those things that may or may not be happening, why would you not want to get on the bus and say, I think I know where we're going, but we might be making some really interesting stops along the way. Our first role is to be supportive. This is not our show. And sometimes it's difficult to remember that because, uh, say, if you have a solo, that's my, my moment to shine. But it's also my moment to be an example for those boys who want to have a part like that. But, you know, I have that moment and then I step back into a support role. Here, Scott Crothamel introduces us to his solo, and then you will hear what he describes. It's the chant portion of Circle of Life before anything else happens. So it's attention-grabbing. It's been described as startling. (laughs) We did that at Carnegie Hall, and Michael Ashby, our vocal trainer here, said that he happened to be looking at the audience, and he was noticing that the reaction was just like I said, startling, <laughs> because it's a chant. It's, it's more of a, as much of a chant as it is melodic. And I'd be lying if I didn't say it was a blast to do every, every chance I get. And for more than one reason. First is that I get to introduce the song. I, I get to practically yell, say, it's, you know, the, the translation of the song is, is, look, the lion's coming. We need to run away or we'll be eaten. Basically, this is what's been told to us by the, the Lion King on Broadway. These men speak Swahili. They know exactly what it means. So to know what that means and to sing it that way, that's really a blast.
Again, that was Scott Crothamel starting us out with the beginning of The Circle of Life from The Lion King. The Circle of Life is one of the standard songs from the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. And now back to the interview with Scott Crothamel, Charles Albert, and Steve Leonard. What made you say this is worth my time? Well, I actually do like uh, doing the performing, seeing the, the audience, especially, you know, some of the venues we performed at were were really extraordinary and the audience was great you do get a big rush at a performance if it goes well and you get a lot of applause and maybe your friends and family are also coming and are in the audience i certainly enjoy still being in the choir for the music of it primarily but then this particular organization gives you great great opportunities to to go places to, to sing in great great places to be with with other guys that are uh, you know like-minded and are having a lot of fun singing and doing things you know together and that the fact of being around 90 or 100 boys in that whole activity is sort of uh, rejuvenating as well you know it makes you makes you feel good you i love seeing how these these young guys grow and mature you know you, you have someone who are just just magical in the way they uh they can sing and perform and their stage presence and their personality, you know, when you, when you see some some boys like that and what they can do and how Jeff pulls their best qualities out of them, it's, it's great. It's rewarding. It's, it's akin to being a parent of 90 boys. To invest time in something that produces such amazing moments, such amazing music, I, I've developed, an, a, a redeveloped, I should say, an appreciation for choral music. And I've forgotten how much I enjoyed being in the middle of the sound. Uh, when you're in the middle, it's, it's almost indescribable. When you're in the middle of that sound, uh, you feel like you're swimming in it. And when it really hits, when everyone's doing exactly what they're supposed to do, and you get that, you get a resonance, you can even sometimes hear pitches that aren't even being sung because the Everything comes together so tightly that it it creates a resonance in the space wherever you are, and it's those are some of those moments where I will actually look at Zachary and and he'll look at me and he'll just nod his head because I know he heard that same pitch. Oh wow! <laughs> so so it, I mean, talk about moments when you can do something like that. Why wouldn't you invest your everything into it? It's and to have and to have a child in in the organization. You know that that that's the root right there. I mean, none, none of this will be have none of this would have happened if it wasn't for Zachary being a good musician, passing an audition, and then being diligent and persistent and staying with the program. Can you tell me any other memories that you have that that is extra special as a member of Corral for you? Yeah, I mean. The camaraderie of, of the men I, I sang with, uh, we most of the time on tour, we would act as chaperones for the boys, and we would get um, assigned however many, two, three, four boys, uh, each for each of the corral members. And it was really fun to uh, chaperone different different boys and different tours. It's I think for anything I might have uh, shown them, 
they also uh, gave me an education <laughs> in a lot of things, especially, uh, I guess, current uh, pop culture or current culture with younger people mm-hmm. kept me... Uh, kept me on my toes there (laughs) (laughs) one of his first solos uh, was a piece called Pie Yesu and is Andrew Lloyd Webber and it's actually it's actually a duet but it's it's two it starts off as two solos with he and uh, another choir member uh, named Damien and at our concert at the Kimmel Center and I in the back row, and I'm tall, so I'm always in the back row anyway. <laughs> Holding my breath for an entire song, just hoping that he does well, that nothing happens, that that it that it that is a good memory for him, and nothing nothing terrible happens. He's ten years old. I, I mean, it. Who has that much poise when they're ten years old? Mm-hmm. So just to add to the, just to set the scene that the entire theater goes dark and two spotlights come on, Zachary and Damien. And the song starts and Damien sings the first one. So I, so there's even more anticipation. I'm standing up and I'm just standing there frozen, absolutely frozen with a combination of this is the most amazing thing. And, I'm so scared for him right now. <laughs> I never knew that, that you, I just, I don't think I've ever exper- experienced a flood of mixed emotions like that before. Um, he sang his part. They then sang together. They, they finished the song. It was absolutely one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard in my life. Musically and you know, I guess emotionally or spiritually even that my son was up there he was doing that and he looked like he had been doing it for 50 years. I couldn't, I, I couldn't believe my eyes and my ears. There's lots, lots of memories. I, with all these tours, I've been in, in close to 30 countries through with the choir. Um, but you know, some, some of the memories are, are sort of funny to think about. Uh, some of the places we've stayed, you know, money is always an issue when you go on tour, and everybody pays their own way. So Jeff and the tour uh, organizers, not so much now, but years ago, would, we would stay in some places like some – there was a place in Panama that was, was run by – I think it was the Lions Club, or and, and it was, you know, it was pretty pretty bad, but it was cheap. So those are the kinds of things that, that stay – you know, stick in your mind, the, the, the fun things, but they're negative things, but – it was still a good a good story. <laughs> the the year we went to um, Greece, Turkey, not uh, I guess that was maybe ten years ago, uh, two thousand and seven. I've got a little list here. I'm using my notes. We went in three different planes to because they couldn't book everybody in one flight, and the one flight uh, all their luggage got lost. A, a third of, of the group without any clothes, you know, for like like two weeks. The day they went home, they found them. I think. <laughs> But, uh, so, you know, some, some funny things like that. One of my early tours was, we went to Russia to Nizhny Novgorod, which is the old Gorka, Gorky in, uh, in Russia. And that was, uh, pretty amazing. Again, 
ate a lot of very interesting food. We we're always worried about how the kids are going to react. First time we went to China, uh, I remember get, getting off the, the plane and getting on the buses, and we went to this restaurant. And, you know, there's like 120 of us, so it's a, it's a large group. We walk into the restaurant, everybody sits down in these, you know, big round tables, and there were no forks or knives or spoons anywhere. It was all chopsticks. And I'm thinking, now, you know, some people are pretty adept at using the chopsticks, but, you know, you're dealing with 90, 90 boys that are maybe 9 to 14, 15 years old. But it was amazing. I looked around, and these, these kids were just gone to town with the chopsticks. No complaints. Everybody just eating crazy and, and uh, having, a, having a great time. They just adapted so well, you know, to the culture. So that, that's, that's always good. One of the other things that's really rewarding over the years is the boys get to live in some of the homes. So we always try to, you know, do homestays when we're in, in foreign countries. So they get to live, you know, with, with some of the local people. Oftentimes it's another choir that helps us out. And sometimes they can't speak English. And so there's always, always a lot of fun hearing their stories, how they, how they made out with their, their homestays. Tours are, and are all different. They're all good. They're all an adventure. We went to Singapore and Vietnam, uh, not this past summer, but the summer before, and we ended up, uh, our last day, we were four hours outside of uh, Hanoi in, in North Vietnam, and by the time we left the hotel we were in, uh, to the time we got back into Philadelphia, it took us 44 hours. It's crazy, because we, we bust to Hanoi, we flew to Singapore, laid over, we flew to uh, Germany, I forget which where we were, but we changed planes, and we flew to Newark, and then we busted Philadelphia, and all in all, yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was a 44-hour commute. So things like that are always fun. Great concerts. I mean, they're, they're, they're the, obviously the reason we go, and we, we've had some wonderful concerts and beautiful uh, cathedrals and churches. From a music standpoint, point we do... We do difficult music. This is not kids, you know, elementary school kids stuff. So we've sung some very difficult pieces. We've sung in dozen different languages, uh, which are always, which are especially hard for me, it seems, to learn to sing songs like in, in uh, Vietnamese or Chinese or even French is difficult. So that's typically a, a challenge every year. Depending on where we're going, we usually try to do something in the native language. As part of his excellent performance standards, does Jeff Smith make sure that you pronounce everything right? Yeah, he always he's a stickler for we're trying to really pronounce words right. He, he typically brings in a native of whatever country you know that we're, we're going to, somebody locally that somebody knows to help us with some of the pronunciations and stuff. So, uh, it, yeah, it's it's hard. I remember my son's first tour and then my first tour uh, back with the choir and we went on tour together was uh, down under was Australia oh, wow. and uh, which you know it was an amazing time uh, then we also toured uh, America we did a riverboat tour of the South Mississippi River mm-hmm. and uh, that was a very interesting one because my parents also came because it was in, in the United States, that tour, most of the tours I went on previously were international, but this one was in the States, so my parents got to come, which was very special, because it was my parents, and then me, and then my son, you know, their grandson, 
and they got to see all his performances on the uh, riverboat. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. And what did they think of that? Oh, of course they loved it. Yeah. <laughs> Very proud grandparents they were. <laughs> the first tour that I went on with Zachary was in Cuba, and that was five years ago now. And uh, coincidentally, the trip was, was postponed until January because of the last pandemic, which was Zika virus. So uh, we still did go, and it was an opportunity to go to Cuba, which had just recently opened. So it was just that in itself was was amazing, just to step on the ground in a, in a country like that. Um, it was my first tour. It was my first time being the medical person, and as luck would have it, Kathy was not able to go on that tour, so I was the only medical person. So there was a lot of there was a lot of firsts for me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really know exactly what to expect. Um, the we had issues with the flights. You know, we left we left in the middle of of dead of winter with snow and ice outside. It was it was chaotic. But once I got there, uh, the, our flights were split. So my roommate, which was uh, Bruce Smith, Jeff Smith's dad, was not there yet. Um, something happened with the first room, so I asked for another room, and they gave me another room. Uh, beautiful view. I walked in, and as most people do, when you have a view outside of your room, you put your bags down. You open up the door, a sliding door, typically. You walk outside and you look at the view. And what you usually do is you close the door behind you, which is exactly what I did. And I heard a loud click. So I turned around to see that there was no handle. And there was a very small sign on both sides of the door that said, said uh, in Spanish, I think it was in English too, but uh, something to the effect of this door locks from the inside. Or from the inside. <laughs> so I was stuck out on this balcony and I thought, okay, well, I'm in a different room. So the room that everyone has on their paper for the medical professional is now wrong. And no one knows I'm there because I have not told anybody yet. Wow. So I'm in this room by myself in a communist country and I have my blazer and I have my travel wear, so my blazer and shorts and it's a beautiful day. And I said, okay, well, I'll sit out here for a few minutes. I can see the balconies to either side. I will, wait for someone to come out and just say, could you please let someone from the front desk know that I'm locked out and they can come in and let me in. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, close to an hour goes by. Uh, at, at this point, I'm starting to not panic, but I'm starting to become quite worried. So I start calling to either side. There is not a single soul who comes out on any one of these decks, these, these patios outside their rooms. I get, my yelling gets louder and louder, and uh, I start thinking, okay, if there's a medical emergency, I now am unable to be found, and they're either going to start looking for me, or someone else is going to be in trouble. So I look to the balcony to my left, and I see a light on inside the balcony. It's now, I've now watched the sunset, and it's now getting chilly. (laughs) So I notice that there's a light on. I, I lean over as far as I can. There's a space of about maybe two feet between the balconies, and I see that there's someone in their room. And after what seems like a, an eternity of debate, I say, I have to do this. So I step up on the ledge and I jump over to the next balcony. <laughs> and I look in the room and there is a woman sitting on the bed facing the other direction. And there's a, you can see that there's a thin curtain. So, and it's dark outside. She cannot see me, at least not right away. And I just, as I step toward the door ready to knock, I just wince. I knock on the door scare her to death. Yeah. I back up and assume the most 
un, I guess, unaggressive position I possibly can. And I start miming through the, the window and as loudly as I can. I'm not even sure if she speaks English, saying that I've locked myself out of my room. Can you call <laughs> the front desk and have them let me back in? I'm very sorry. And, I, and I, with that, I jump back across, wondering if I'm either going to be let in or that I'm going to jail in a communist country. And, and all these things are just, all these things are flooding through my head. And sure enough, less than five minutes later, someone from the front desk comes up, unlocks the door and lets me in. And, and tragedy was averted. But that was one, that was my first tour story. Wow. And I'm thinking, well, I guess it can't get any worse. <laughs> But I have shared that with with some, and uh, it's it's. I mean, you can't you can't write that kind of thing. It's it's it's. It was a little bit of stupidity on my part, but you know, it's just something that people do. Yeah. <laughs> it just didn't work out so well for me. So, but it's been it's been a blast ever since. After talking tour, here's some world class humor from the Philadelphia Boys Choir. Here's just kidding. Enjoy. What is the key to open a banana? I don't know. A monkey. Have you heard the pizza joke? It was really cheesy. Does Mike Wazowski wink or does he blink? What do you call a person who talks a lot and walks a lot? A walkie-talkie. What did the ocean say to the guy on the beach? Nothing. It waved. Again, that was just kidding. Jokes from the Philadelphia Boys Choir. And now for the conclusion of our interview with Charles Albert, Steve Leonard, and Scott Crothamel. What is it about chaperoning that made an impact on you? I guess watching the the boys adapt when you do tour to the different uh, scenes or different countries or different locales, it's very interesting to see our culture or the boys with their American culture uh, merge with people from other countries, because a lot of times the uh, boys were homestayed in a foreign country where they had to quickly adapt to the customs and practices of the people who were putting them up for the night or for the couple nights in, in that town or that city. There's a, an upside and there's a downside. The downside is that when you were on tour, you are you have a lot of responsibility. You're responsible for someone else's children. The upside, obviously, is that you get to have somebody who says, hey, I, there's something about that, that old guy over there that, 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 that's, you know, I think you should ask him some questions. <laughs> so you develop these relationships with, with, with these kids and you're helping them along and filling in some of those gaps that they later will say, ah, I get it now. I see what they meant. I see what we were doing at that time. And, and I appreciate the fact that my chaperone, whoever that may have been, was there to keep me safe, was there to support me so that I can have the best experience possible. Can you describe for me a difference between Dr. Hamilton and, and Jeff Smith as far as their styles of leadership or maybe how they ran the choir, anything you can think of that they might have been different? Not really between them. But the main difference to me would be actually with Dr. Hamilton in the fact that when I was a kid and, you know, first in the choir as a young boy, he was, seemed to be uh, very, very um, strict 
Okay. And then when you get to be older and you're singing with him as a, a man in the corral, that all went away and it's more like you're singing with a friend or an associate. So it was, that to me was the, the fun part is, is you're right, having sung in both capacities is, uh, it's just much more fun, I should say, uh, being in the corral than it was uh, as a kid. Jeff, every year, pulls great stuff out to, to do, as did uh, Dr. Hamilton. I think the, the discipline is very similar. Again, uh, Jeff sang with, with Dr. Hamilton when he was a boy, so you know he, he learned from him as well. So I, th- I think the, the standards of the choir, that the standards of the boys and the crowd have to to maintain are high standards, and they always have been. What kept you going? I think then the friends I made in the, in the corral. Yeah, and it was exciting. And then uh, Dr. Hamilton left, and then Jeff Smith took over. And uh, I still enjoyed the rehearsals and the repertoire and the, the performances. So uh, that's why I, I kept up with it. Being a teacher for a number of years, I mean, just music is part of my soul. I would be at a loss if I if I didn't have some sort of a musical experience. Is there anything else you'd like to add? Anything else you think would be helpful in the community to know about the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Corral and the experiences that you've had? I wish them all well. I hope the, the, the tradition continues. It's been a long tradition, I know, because I was in it <laughs> for many, many years ago. Yes. And I, I hope tradition continues and the opportunity for young boys to, to sing. Yeah, it's a, it's a great organization. I hope it continues. I hope it continues to grow and prosper. They've expanded the program quite a bit in the last 10, 15 years. That's what I hope for the choir, to continue doing what it's doing musically because it's it's been phenomenal. And just to always keep the idea of we're the best. Let's act like the best all the time all the time. And don't be afraid to ask that of a 9, 10, 11, 12 year old boy, because they do have it in them. Sure. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, some are, are a, little, a little more difficult to draw that out, but, but it's in there. If they have the, the capacity to, to sing with an organization like this, they have the capacity to present a, the full package. And just, like I said, to always foster that, always to encourage that. The girls choir is down there too, right? Which is, is is exciting because I have three granddaughters. I don't have any grandsons yet, but I have three granddaughters. <laughs> That's great. It sounds and, like you have some dreams for them. How old are they? Yeah, thirteen, seven, and three. It was always a dream that one of my granddaughters, or and or my grandsons, if I ever get any grandsons, would would join like me and, and my son. So that's that's kind of something I do look forward to. May, that may happen one day. <laughs> that would be incredible. That would be really awesome. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I had to leave because of my son's medical issues, but um, time moves on and we seem to be managing okay. And I hope maybe one day I can free myself up to Maybe come back. Thank you so much to Scott Crothamel, Steve Leonard, and Charles Albert. For Behind the Blazer, I'm Scott Sempier. Thank you for listening to this episode of Behind the Blazer. Please show your appreciation on your preferred platform. Like, subscribe, and give us a five-star review. 
let us know how much you appreciate this podcast. As we conclude Season 1 of Behind the Blazer, we should take some time to appreciate the people who made it possible. Stefan Stokel, who approved the idea, brought it before the board of directors and made file sharing possible. Jeff Smith, who is not only the first guest, but also took time from his busy schedule to coach me to listen for and edit out background noises. He critiqued episodes and he connected us with guests and provided music for segments. Thank you also to all the guests, Jeff Smith, Matthew Stewart, Melissa Shanahan West, Yuki Washington, Reggie McCaden, Val Starr, Dante DeMeo, Dr. Robert Hamilton, Justin Hopkins, Michael Ashby, Justin Walker, Charles Albert, Steve Leonard, and Scott Crothamel. All guests volunteered their time on the show because of their love for the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. Thank you, Christopher Sampier, my inside source, who suggested several guests for the podcast, including Dante DeMeo, Michael Ashby, and Scott Crothamel. Thanks to Delane Branson and Andrew Paracone for continued support, and of course, the board of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale, who greenlit this project. While I may be the host, there's an entire team behind, behind the blazer. This is Scott Sampier thanking you all for a wonderful first season, and thank you also to the listeners who have continued to offer support and encouragement. This has been a podcast of Behind the Blazer, the official podcast of the Philadelphia Boys Choir and Chorale. To buy tickets for the next performance, support, hire the choir, or audition, go to our website at phillyboyschoir.org.